0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and
1: guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about a topic that actually comes up quite a lot, and that is helping a child with moral OCD, also known as scrupulosity OCD. Or religious OCD, it's got quite a few names, which probably says something about how much people struggle with this. And ironically, even though it seems like a pretty um, unusual OCD theme, it is the most common OCD theme I see in my practice, and it's the most common theme that people have questions for me about because it stumps parents on how they're supposed to approach it because it's so different. Than other OCD themes, and it's not very intuitive as far as what to do with it. So I have already done an episode on moral OCD, and I think it's really important for you to go ahead and catch up on that one because today's episode is going to be a little bit more advanced and it's going to be a little bit more meaty about what you do to help your child and less about just what it is and how to detect it. So moral OCD in general, I'll give you a very quick overview is when a child is having an intrusive thought that says I am either was a bad person. I did bad things. I am a bad person. I'm having bad thoughts, or I'm going to do bad things. I have bad thoughts about the future. So it's not always past, present, and future for every kid. Some kids just worry about the now of like, oh my gosh, I think I'm lying. Oh my gosh, I think I gave you the middle finger. Oh my gosh, I think I called you a bad word in my head. Um, and some kids have, you know, they worry about things that they did in the past as well. Oh my gosh, I think I gossiped with my friends. I think I'm a bad person. I think I stole something when I was three. And then you have kids, and I, I tend to see this happening a little bit with more of the older kids where they also worry about who they're going to become. I don't want to become a drug addict. I don't want to become an alcoholic. I don't want to become homeless. I don't want to become a bad person. And sometimes it's not even black and white about what is good or bad. Sometimes it's more of an identity thing. And so it might be like, I don't want to be gay or I don't want to be straight, but I think I am. I don't want to be a girl or I don't want to be a boy, but I think I am. So sometimes with moral OCD, it isn't necessarily about morals. It's just about what is different than who they actually are more often than not, it's about things that are taboo and bad, but sometimes it's not. And so I do like to to highlight that as well. And a lot of times the core fear is I'm worried about disappointing God. I'm worried about going to hell. I'm worried about doing something bad with my faith. And a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with that. And so it just depends for some kids. It's about a fear of going to jail For some kids, it's a fear of rejection. You know, nobody will like me and I'll be all alone. I won't have any friends. I won't have any family. So I'm going to go into more about how to approach this with your kids today. And I really recommend that you listen to episode 32 and you can find that on iTunes. Also, if you just go to my website at anxioustollers.com and you scroll all the way to the bottom and you go to the search button and you type in moral OCD, you're going to get quite a few resources that I've done on moral OCD and on harm OCD. And so those two are very much related. And so that's another way to just find all the resources that I've already done on this topic, because I have talked about it already. So let's get into the nitty gritty about what to do. And so normally this comes on parents' radar because their child is asking them a lot of questions that don't make sense. I always talk to parents and I say, like, you're the sink. So uh, you know how like if a child has germs on their hands, they're going to go wash their hands and they're going to do it over and over because they're not feeling like they're done or they're not feeling like they're clean, depending on their OCD theme. And with moral OCD, kids are going to ask for reassurance and they're going to confess over and over again until you wash away this feeling, this uncomfortable feeling that they're a bad person. But unfortunately, like OCD in general, The more you do these things, the more you are the sink and you wash away your child's concerns, the bigger they grow. And so there is this whole counterintuitive parenting that comes with OCD in general that says my child wants reassurance and for OCD, it's bad. It's not good to reassure my child. And that can be really confusing because in every other aspect of parenting, We're taught that reassurance is a good thing or it feels good. It just organically feels good to give your child a hug and say, it's okay. You're fine. It's not a big deal. You're going to be all right. And with OCD, especially, and even with anxiety, I would say to some degree, it's not helpful to give reassurance like that. Now for anxiety, it's totally different. You're going to want to empower them and have them, you know, embrace their thoughts in a way that maybe would be different than you know, a child that doesn't have anxiety and is just having a bad day. So I'm sorry you have a bad day, it's okay. Tomorrow'll be better. If they have anxiety, we're gonna to want to really pump up their thoughts and reframe their thinking to build those skills. And with OCD, here's the clencher, we don't want we don't want to do any of that. We want to not feed the O C D and so the more we feed the O C D, the bigger it grows. So when it comes to moral OCD, there are two main things that you're gonna to want to do. And that is Well, there's actually three in general. You're going to want to educate your child on what moral OCD is. A lot of times people don't want to smack a label on their kids and they don't realize that by not letting your child know, Hey, this is, there's a name for this. And one out of every hundred kids has OCD. And this is what OCD is. And this is an OCD theme. And let me tell you what moral OCD is and how it makes kids feel like they're bad people when they're not. And it's going to give you intrusive thoughts, upsetting thoughts that are going to say, hey, you did this, you're a bad person. Or hey, you thought that you're a bad person. And only the nicest kids get this type of OCD. So I do have a kid's YouTube video all about it to help you because sometimes people are like, I don't know how to say that to my child. And actually seeing it on YouTube gives it a little bit more cred. (laughs) It does. It gives it more validity for kids because that's where they consume most of their information. So if they see that, oh my gosh, there's a kid's YouTube video on this topic, they're going to feel normal. It's going to normalize their OCD. And it's going to give you some traction when you tell them that this is common and other kids have this as well. Because if they don't understand that they have moral OCD, then they're not going to be able to work on it. Because one of the biggest, most powerful lies that OCD can tell your child is that it's not OCD and it's actually them. And we don't want them to do a lot of mental checking. Am I a good person or am I a bad person? Well, I did really good things today, but yesterday I think I had two bad thoughts, so I'm a bad person. That's mental checking, and that's a compulsion. And you don't get to control that. You don't know when your child's doing a compulsion in their head. And that is why it's so important to educate your child and give them the tools. Because if we don't empower them to help themselves, then we really are powerless because, this is their journey. I know you've probably heard me say that a zillion times. If you've listened to me at all, this is their journey and we cannot get into their head and help them. I was just telling my seven-year-old with anxiety this morning, actually it was two mornings ago, this exact thing, because this is, this is relevant to any kid with anxiety or OCD is I can help you. I can give you the tools and I can give you the skills and I can tell you things, but ultimately this is your brain. These are your thoughts and what you do with them. I cannot control that. And so at the end of the day, our kids have all the power and control because it's their life and it's their brain. So the way to empower them is to really educate them. So the first step is education. And the second step is looking at your role in the moral OCD. And probably the reason why I get so many parents in my practice coming to me because their child has moral OCD is because it involves the parent. And I'm not saying that parents are coming because it's a hassle, but it's more noticeable than other OCD themes because the parent is the sink. And so when the parent is the sink, you're very aware of the compulsions because you're part of them versus if your child has to balance everything out and they're tapping, you may not notice that for a really long time, maybe not even for years or ever because it's not on your radar. But when your child is constantly saying, "Mom, can I tell you something? Mom, I had a bad thought. Mom, I'm having bad thoughts." You're going to notice that because they're going to be upsetting, they're going to be disturbing, and it's going to impact your ability to function with your child. So you want to partner with your child after they understand moral OCD and then you want to say, you know, when you come to me and I tell you it's okay, don't worry about that. That was just a thought or don't worry about that. You're a good person. That was so long ago. You're fine. Or don't worry about that. I know you didn't really mean to say that about me. Or if your child says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over and over. And you say the exact thing that they want to hear back. It's okay, honey. It's okay, honey. It's okay, honey. Then we're growing the OCD. So you sit there and you explain that to your child. Like I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your dictator or your Mr. Bossy or your Mike or whatever you want to call it. I'm talking to your OCD. And when I talk to your OCD, I grow up bigger. And so I don't want to grow up bigger. And so then you want to help your child realize and slowly pull back. And so when you pull back, you say, I'm just going to tell you that I'm talking to your OCD. And so maybe initially you just say, "Mm, that sounds like a Mr. Bossy thought. I don't talk to Mr. Bossy. Uh, that sounds like your dictator, whatever you're going to call it, right? You consistently use the same name, <laughs> not all these different names. That would be weird, but you just want to call it out for your child. And then over time, you may not even say that. So you pull back your involvement in the compulsion. Now, parents have a really hard time with this because they feel like they are not there for their kids. Their child is in panic and they feel like when they don't provide that relief, that they're harming their kids. And it's really important for you to know that it's much, much, much more harmful. Did I say much enough? Much, (laughs) much more harmful for you to provide that reassurance, even though it looks like that's what your child needs because you're growing the OCD. You are growing those neural pathways. You are literally physiologically growing the OCD. Those neural pathways are getting stronger in your child's brain. Now, having said that, you can't pull back cold turkey because that will overwhelm your child. And so you have to partner with your child and you can slowly systematically pull back your reassurance by coming up with a plan with your child, either saying, Hey, I'm going to call it out. And I'm going to say, I don't talk to Mr. Bossy. Um, or you can give them OCD cards where maybe they have four or five compulsion cards that they have to use. And once those are up, they, they aren't able to get that reassurance from you anymore. There are a lot of creative ways of how to pull back your reassurance. And then separate from all of that, you wanna move into exposures. And I find that a lot of parents have a really hard time pulling back the reassurance and they have a really hard time with the exposures because out of all the OCD themes that I deal with, these feel very uncomfortable, uh, more so than I think other themes because your child's gonna be begging you often to just let them tell you their worries. Let me tell you my worries. Let me tell you my worries. And it seems very counterintuitive to say, no, no, I'm not going to listen to your worries. And so sometimes parents will say, I'm worried that I'm shutting, I'm shutting them down. I'm worried that they'll never want to talk to me again. I'm worried that I'm not there for my child. And so it's important, one, to know that that's not true. You're not talking to your child. You're talking to your child's OCD. So don't don't fool yourself and be a victim to your child's OCD as well and think that you're talking to your child. You are not. You're talking to your child's OCD and your child's OCD will grow the more you talk to it. Second, I've never seen a parental relationship get wounded and hurt and impacted greatly by a parent pulling back their reassurance. I just have not seen that in my practice. I've seen kids get better. I've seen the reassurance stop. Now, once they stop seeking it from you, They will still mentally have those thoughts for a while. And so sometimes parents get concerned and they say, well, I know they're not saying it to me, but I can still see that they're having these thoughts and it's distressing them. That's okay. That's progress. That's what you want to see. You want to see it move from an outward compulsion, from getting reassurance from you. You want to remove yourself from the OCD. That's the first step. And it's actually, ironically, the easiest step. If you can you know, wrap your brain around the fact that you're helping and you're not hurting, and you can feel confident in that. But then two, now your child is able to deal with doing exposures because you're not part of the uh, compulsion. And so we're going to pull back. So yeah, so you might see your child looking distressed. You might see that your child looks like they're deep in thought. And that doesn't mean that now they're stuffing their worries and they're not having a place to get it out. It means that the OCD is progressing, it's just like a burn. You know, when you have a burn and you go to the burn unit, this is a, a terrible analogy, but it's a good one because it's, it's a good analogy for this. To heal a burn, you have to actually peel off the, and scrub off the burnt skin. And so it seems like you're harming the skin and you're hurting your child to get that fresh skin to grow. But in reality, that is really good treatment and that's how you help them heal. And it's the same thing with moral OCD. You have to pull back your reassurance and that feels bad. And it feels like you're hurting your child, but long-term you're really helping them. You're helping those neural pathways not grow, right? And they're shrinking because they're not getting that satisfaction of your reassurance because their mental reassurance is probably not as powerful as having their parents say, you're okay. You're good. It's okay. It's not a worry. So that is progress. And then once you get to that stage or while you're moving towards that stage, the other aspect of moral OCD is through exposures and exposures for moral OCD are weird because it's moral OCD. So a lot of times your OCD therapist is going to have you do things that seem counterintuitive and with exposure. And I don't go into exposure in this podcast episode, but I have full podcast episodes on exposure. And you can you can go to my website and just scroll down to the search button and type ERP or exposure response prevention, and you'll see all the different resources that I've done on that because I have kid YouTube videos on what exposure is and why it's helpful. And that would be a really good thing to show your child. And I also have uh, a podcast episode. I, have a, I think I have a couple of podcast episodes on ERP, and that is really the only evidence-based therapeutic approach for OCD that has shown to be incredibly effective. So you definitely want to be doing ERP. You're not going to really help your child with moral OCD if you're not doing some level of ERP. And you want to find an OCD therapist that specializes in ERP, not just CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. You want them to do ERP, which is kind of a subset of CBT. And you can always go to the International OCD Foundation's website at iocdf org slash find dash help and go to their resource directory. And that's a great place to start to make phone calls and find somebody who is at least listed in their directory. So with ERP, you're going to be exposing your child to things that are uncomfortable so that the child can build up their muscle. And the way that I explain it to kids is I say, look, OCD's weapon against you is to freak you out about these things. And so the best way to build up your muscle and your tolerance to handle these thoughts that, that pop up is to expose yourself to them, right? So it's more of you're on the offense instead of the defense. You expose yourself to them and then you build up a tolerance. And so when you have a thought, you're not having that panic and that anxiety reaction because you're like, yeah, you know what? I've created these thoughts before. I've held these things or I've looked at these things and And now I'm desensitized. And so that's ultimately what we want kids to do is we want to get them to learn how to accept discomfort and know that they can be around something that is quote unquote bad without turning into a bad person. I can have a bad thought without being a bad person. I can hold this and I'm still, I'm still okay. And so we're getting them to accept just the ability of being around these things without having that anxiety. And so that can look weird depending on your child. So if a kid is worried they're going to say bad words, then the exposure would be saying a bunch of bad words. Or if a child is worried about alcohol, it might be them holding a beer. They're not going to drink it. you know. But sometimes parents get really uncomfortable with this because they're saying, well, I don't want to, isn't moral OCD actually a good thing because my child wants to be a good person. And that is a really, really, Bad way to look at it because, no, of course, they're good people because moral OCD tends to happen in really good kids, but it's tormenting them. It makes them feel bad. It ruins their self confidence and their self esteem. These are not kids who are going to turn into drug addicts or alcoholics um, or start cursing everywhere. These are typically really, really good kids who are worried about doing really, really bad things. And so With exposures, we're showing them that they can do these things in an exercise and still be okay. We are we are really desensitizing them. It's kind of like with a peanut allergy. You know, now they can give you a little bit, they can inject a little bit of peanut and eventually over time, your body acclimates to it and you don't have that reaction that you would before they started to desensitize you. It's actually very similar in that way. So a lot of times parents are like, well, I'm happy that she doesn't want to smoke or I'm happy that she doesn't want to say a bad word. But are you happy that your child is thinking about this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that it's so overwhelming and so stressful they can't focus on having fun with their friends or focusing on their schoolwork or doing anything else. And they can't go to school because they're afraid someone's going to say a bad word. And they can't go to high school because they're afraid they might see something inappropriate and they can't have you drink you know, a glass of wine because they think that you're going to die or become an alcoholic. Those are not functional, healthy beliefs, and it's not a world you want your child to live in. And so I always say when we're dealing with OCD, sometimes we have to swing far to the left to get back to center. And so exposures tend to swing far to the left to get back to center. So you do weird things to desensitize, and it is highly effective. And you do exposures that are based on your child's particular moral OCD themes. And so I don't introduce kids to, you know, drinking if their only moral OCD thought is saying bad words, or I don't introduce kids to um, sexual innuendos or sexual words if that's not their theme. Now, if they're having sexually inappropriate thoughts nonstop, then the exposures will be related to that. It might be related to exposing them to words that are sexual or phallic images. You don't introduce them to new concepts, but you're introducing them to concepts that OCD is already using as a weapon against them. So definitely find a good OCD therapist to help guide you through this. And even if you can't find one in your area, there might be someone online that can work with you in your area. You know, someone in your state who does video therapy. So don't be afraid to call If you find someone in the International OCD Foundation's directory, even if they're not in your area, a lot of OCD therapists do online work. If they're licensed for New York and they're upstate, they might still be able to help you if you're uh, in New York City. So definitely reach out and call people because you want someone to help guide you through this typically. Now, if you want some extra additional help, you know, that's what I do. I provide ongoing resources, parental resources to parents because I'm not only a child therapist who specializes in OCD. I am raising a child with OCD. And I get that there are not enough resources. In my state, there are like no child OCD resources. It's ridiculous. We don't even have a chapter here for the International OCD Foundation. Like Arizona is struggling for kids. So I get that many of you live in countries that don't have a lot of resources. Maybe you've never even had a therapist understand what moral OCD is and maybe you don't have access. Uh, or maybe you do have support and you have a great therapist, but you are a go-getter and you are a learner and you want to soak up everything and anything that you can on OCD so you can help yourself. So I love to provide ongoing support. And so for those of you that want further support, I have two things that I would recommend if you're looking for more. and I have an online OCD class called parenting kids with OCD. And it is a general class for anyone raising kids with OCD. And it walks you through all the different OCD themes and it walks you through exposures and it will, it will kind of take you where I take people in my therapy, where I take parents. And so you learn everything about OCD and how to do the skill building at home and how to do exposures at home. So that is a really good general class that I recommend anyone who's wanting to learn more and take some um, responsibility at home and really start working on it at home. And they want that additional support. That's a great class to take. It's an online class. You take it at your own pace whenever you want. Now, I have gotten so many emails since I created that class for people who say, I want more on moral OCD. So in my parenting kids with OCD online class, I do have a separate lesson purely for moral OCD because it's so common. But even with that, I've had parents reach out to me and say, you know, what would be really cool if you had a whole class on moral OCD? And I even get questions from my community. So a couple of months ago, I created the AT parenting community and a lot of the AT parents are, are raising kids who have moral OCD and they have asked for more resources as well. So this past month, I developed a mini online class just for moral OCD. So I'm really excited about it because I kind of just took everything that I would want to teach a parent in my practice. And I put it in this mini class with worksheets and handouts that you can do and that you can do with your child. And then the other thing that I did that I can't really do on YouTube is I made these very short videos for your child directly on the different themes of moral OCD. And the reason why I can't do it on YouTube is because on YouTube, I don't want to talk about topics in my moral OCD video for kids that a child is not experiencing. So if I had like a little kid who's worried about maybe giving someone the middle finger and lying, like those are their moral OCD themes. I don't want to talk in the video about having sexually inappropriate thoughts and how you're still okay, that's normal, that's part of moral OCD because I don't want that little kid hearing that because that's not their issue. So I felt like with moral OCD, my hands have been tied as far as being able to provide a public resource where kids can hear very specific moral OCD themes and for me to be able to normalize it and let them know, hey, this is normal, this is a a very common moral OCD theme or thought. And that's the first thing I do in my therapy practice is I say, these are very common. I've heard these before. And the relief that I see on kids' faces when they hear, you mean you've heard this before? That people are worried about looking at their mom's breasts? Isn't that disgusting? No, that's a very common moral OCD thought. Or you mean you've heard this before? That I am worried I'm gay, although I know I'm absolutely not gay? Yeah, that's actually a very common moral OCD thought. So, To normalize that, I went ahead in my mini online class and I made short videos on every topic that is like super common with moral OCD. And that way you can pick the topics that your child is having and you can show them these videos. And so they know that other people are having them because here's this lady talking about it and I don't even know your child. So hopefully that will help. And in the mini moral OCD class, I also walk you through how to do exposures, um, give you different exposure ideas. I talk about imaginal scripts, which are stories that you can use. So for a mini class, I really dive deep into it. And I want it to be very accessible to everybody. So the Moral OCD online class, my bigger how to parent kids with OCD class is $127. And I highly recommend that people take that class before they take the Moral OCD class, because the Moral OCD class is an advanced class. I'm not going into... OCD in general, I'm not telling you about exposures in general. There's a lot of information that you need to know before you take the moral OCD class. Now the moral OCD class I made really cheap compared to my $127 class. And so my moral, my mini moral OCD class is just $27. Now, the cool thing is if you're looking for ongoing support anyway, and you're like, "Ugh, well, that's $127 for that class. And then $27 for the mini class. If you want ongoing support, You can join the AT Parenting Community. That is a membership. It's a monthly membership, and you get access to the AT Parenting Community website at atparentingcommunity.com. You log in, and you are able to get, as a member perk, access to one of my classes on teachable.com. And so on teachable.com, my online school, I have three big classes, one on anxiety, one on OCD, and one on social anxiety. And so you can pick the OCD class and As a member, you email me and I give you a private coupon code. You can enroll for free and take that. As long as you're an active member, you have access to that class. And then the coolest thing is my mini classes are put on the membership site for free. And so the AT parents have access to my mini classes. They are the first people who get them. It goes directly up on the community website first, and they have access to it at no cost. So you could get both of those for free if you join the AT Parenting Community. And the AT Parenting Community membership, I try to make it very affordable. And so it's only $25 a month. And with that, you get a zillion other things that I'm not going to go into. But you can listen to some more information about it at the end of this podcast. I will go into what's in the AT Parenting Community. And you can check it out at atparentingcommunity.com. But if you want to just look into this moral OCD class, and you're not interested in all that other stuff, you can go to bit.ly.com slash capital M moral OCD. So that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash moral OCD. The M has to be capitalized for bit.ly. If you're like, what is she talking about? (laughs) You can just text me at 44222 and just type in one word moral OCD and I'll give you the link. So I hope it will help. Uh, I've already gotten some really good feedback about the moral OCD class, and I know a lot of parents need those resources, and so I'm trying to turn them out as fast as I can. So I hope you're finding these episodes helpful. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can hit a star on iTunes or stars right below the name of the podcast, and that helps give back to the show and show other parents that you value the information that you're getting here. If you want to go one step further, you can leave a review. I greatly appreciate that. And to show my appreciation, I always like to end my show reading one of them. So Shira Bella wrote, I love Natasha's work. These podcasts are so helpful and insightful and real. And I find the perspectives around children and life and really allowing children to already have healthy perspectives around life and some of these issues that they can confront. My kids don't actually have anxiety or OCD, and I still find these super, super helpful for more typical children and the worries they have around mean people or other things that come up. So thank you, Shara I really appreciate the kind words. And if you have something to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do, and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate
0: place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist, I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical, real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Had tools. Are, I mean, life changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later, just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and. Without her, our lives would be very different and very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy. And sometimes it feels hopeless. And um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal and they're some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD.
1: Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting community, where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word AT Parenting Community to 44222. Together we can do this.
0: She's really good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.